As the colors change to fall, the shows just keep getting brighter on Global Voice Broadcasting. Shows about everything that matters to you. From love, living, and life. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it this fall. On Global Voice Broadcasting. Don't miss a second. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Affairs are an act of betrayal and also a yearning and longing for loss, for novelty, for freedom, for sexual intensity, a wish to recapture lost parts of ourselves. When we seek the gaze of another, it isn't always our partner we are turning away from, but the person that we have ourselves become. It isn't so much that we are looking for another person, but we are looking for another self. Esther Perel. Before giving the brilliant TED Talk on infidelity that I pulled that quote from, renowned therapist Esther Perel said people were approaching her at this event and asking her, so affairs, are you for or against them? And she would respond, yes. (laughs) She said she looks at affairs from two different sides, from hurt and betrayal on one side, personal discovery and growth on the other. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am thrilled to be talking with y'all about a very important uh, taboo subject today, as we so often do. Uh, And we are going to be talking about this subject more in additional episodes because already it's been spurring lots of questions from uh, Girl Boner fans, which I so appreciate. Affairs are such a huge and complicated subject. Um, So we're going to start talking about it today. I'm going to cover a few myths, and then we're going to bring in a woman who had an affair who's going to bravely talk about her experience, and we're going to hear from our wonderful expert, uh, Dr. Megan Fleming. Myth number one, most cheaters are men. We also hear the all men cheat myth uh, still, which makes me kind of feel, I don't know, it's archaic, kind of like 1950s sounding, but I still hear it every once in a while. Um, And that's definitely not true. Infidelity is common, though we really don't know how common. First of all, it depends on how you define cheating. Is it having intercourse outside of a monogamous relationship or kissing outside of a monogamous relationship or flirting to some level with somebody else or keeping a a dating profile up when you already have a partner. I suppose we all define it a bit differently, but I really love Esther Perel's definition and I do need to get her on the show one of these days. She's amazing and there's a link uh, to the show that she gave the, um, the TED Talk in the show notes for today. In that talk, she said that affairs to her are a secretive relationship, an emotional connection to one degree or another, and a sexual alchemy. It's our imagination that is responsible for love, people say, not necessarily the other person. Uh, And she also talked about the fact that just the idea of kissing somebody, this like stolen, mysterious kiss with this uh, person that we don't know very well can be actually as exciting or a lot more exciting than actually having sex, which is crazy, right? The brain really is the sexiest organ and the most sexual organ, and it all depends on where we channel that that passion and that curiosity and all of that. Here's another reason that we don't know how common affairs are. Researching infidelity is really tough because in our culture, guys are encouraged to boast about everything about sexuality, and women are encouraged to hide everything. So 
if we're already lying about sex, who's going to be honest about the most, arguably the most taboo type within an affair, right? Uh, research reveals a huge range of statistics. I tried to come up with like some general numbers, and honestly, it's between 25 and 75% of people cheat at some point. Does that narrow it down quite nicely? Uh, some research suggests that men cheat a little bit more often than women. Some showed pretty equally, and one of the largest recent studies I found actually said that women are a bit more likely to cheat and are simply better at hiding it. So who the heck knows? Myth number two, given that they're so common nowadays, it's really not a big deal. Cheating may be easier and more tempting than ever, but it's a very big deal, especially in certain countries. Today, women in nine countries around the world are killed for being unfaithful to their husbands. Think about that. It's atrocious. Here in the U.S., women seem to be shunned and blamed a lot more than guys do for, for affairs for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. But at least there's a greater sense of acceptance that there's this little thing called being human, you know, that none of us are perfect. We all can make mistakes. Affairs happen for all kinds of reasons. Um, and, you know, and I still hear, though, people kind of blasting out at how how awful people are for, for having an affair. And I think it's really important to realize that we don't know what other people's relationships are like or what's going on. Affairs often feel like the ultimate betrayal to the person who's cheated on because, it, you know, it can shake everything from your sense of self uh, to your ability to trust not only your partner but others especially in our you know in modern times we we marry and pair up for love that was not the case for a very very long time in our world so it's a very different thing and it really cuts to the core um but while some uh affairs destroy marriages Others provide important catalysts for change, and that could lead people on a better path together or a better path separately, uh, which brings me to my next point. Myth number three, affairs are always regrettable. In interviewing couples around the world, Esther Perel found that many folks who cheated said they deeply regretted hurting their partner, but not the affair itself. That is so telling, right? That's not as simple as just saying, oh, well, it's fun to have sex on the side. You know, I just don't want to hurt anybody. I think it goes a lot deeper than that. It's that they maybe didn't, you know, maybe they felt that they learned a lot and they needed to learn these lessons. And this was the way that they learned them. Um, and that they definitely didn't ever want to hurt anybody at all. Uh, I think it's just, it's so complicated. I, I certainly can't, um, can't speak for for all the people out there who are experiencing this or who have, but those of you who are listening, I'm sure, can can relate to some of these things. I'm not advocating for affairs at all, nor did Esther Perel in her talk. She actually compared it to cancer. She said many people feel that they've you know, become a lot stronger and better because of a battle with a very life-threatening disease, but that doesn't make it inherently good or the right best wonderful thing, right? Uh, I thought that was a really interesting comparison. But I do think it's important, again, not to judge people who've had affairs. I also think there's a lot of hope to be had for couples who have, whether they stay together or not. And I don't think we should shame people for what choice they make, you know, if they decide to stay with somebody who's cheated on them, for example, or if they decide to leave. Uh, if you want to stay together after an affair, a lot of experts, including our wonderful Dr. Megan Fleming, who's going to weigh in a bit later, um, she basically said that we need to say goodbye to the marriage that was and start anew together if we've had one. So regardless, prioritizing learning, healing, and growing is really vital. 
I contacted today's guest after reading a brave article she wrote called I Had an Affair and I'm Not Ashamed. And I'm going to ask you all to listen with compassion and without judgment. Katie Paul has survived adoption, bulimia, and losing her husband more or less unscathed. She attributes her resilience to her guardian angels, Bob, Fred, and Hugo. She used to be a stage manager, but gave it all up to work as a graphic designer and to write stories about loss, love, lust, and longing. Her characters get a bit raunchy at times because that's the way she thinks life should be, full of big, juicy moments. She is pretty sure Bob, Fred, and Hugo agree. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me, Katie. How are you doing there in, in Australia? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm well, and I'm so uh, grateful to be talking to you. As you know, I was really struck by your uh, the piece that you shared on your blog. I had an affair, and I'm not ashamed because I feel like it's a topic that, especially for women, uh, is taboo and difficult to express and share. And I thought it was very poignant, uh, poetic, actually, and it just really struck me. So thank you for, for being here. Um, I know it's a sensitive topic, and as I told you before, I want this to be a very uh, non-judgmental, compassionate space for you to, to share. What are you comfortable sharing with what happened? To, what can you tell us about the affair? Um, well, I'd like to tell you that it um, was like just like you see in the movies that there were eyes meeting across a crowded room and long nights of unbridled sex with luxurious hotel, um, hotel room um, room service the next morning. But the reality of um, affairs is not really always that way. Um, the man I had an affair with wasn't a tall, dark, handsome stranger, but someone I'd known for many years. But what was magical about it was the circumstances of our first kiss. Um, it was a warm summer's night. There was a full moon. There were stars. There was magic in the air. And I guess in hindsight, I should have pulled away, but I didn't. I just leaned in. And was it um, fulfilling from the get-go? What, did you know that an affair had started or was it kind of this is a, a kiss and you didn't think much beyond that? Um, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have any expectations. I was just like, oh, hang on a minute. Something's just happened here and I'm not quite sure what that is. And, um, yeah, I just, I kind of, I kind of just went, I think I'm just going to see what happens. And what did end up happening? Was it, uh, did things move along quickly thereafter? Um, so I guess... It was really left up to me in a way. So I wasn't, there wasn't any pressure from um, the man I had an affair. We have to give him a name. Let's call him George. That's perfect. <laughs> I just call him, I just can't call him the man for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> so there, was, there wasn't any pressure from George. Like it wasn't like I felt like I was obligated or, um, you know, once I'd kissed him that I'd needed to, to carry through with anything. Um, it was totally left up to me. So um, I was the person who kind of, initiated taking it that step further and I just um, made the offer which wasn't turned down I, I, I suppose it maybe wouldn't have been <laughs> sure and did you keep it hidden for a long time or indefinitely um, indefinitely so um, nobody knows the details of what happened and nobody knows who was involved so um, it's our secret okay 
I see. And what was fulfilling about the experience? Um, uh, so George and I talked about everything. Um, we were open and upfront, so I had no unrealistic expectations. So I was never under the illusion that he was going to leave his wife, that we were going to have a, a proper relationship, that we were going to, you know, sail off into the sunset together. So um, the fulfilling part of it was. Um, I guess feeling like a teenager again, you know, having an affair is sexy and exciting and um, you get to like sneak around and, you know, there's always that kind of danger going on. So um, that's the fun part. But the growing up part of your brain knows that it's never going to last. It knows that it's just a short term kind of almost remedial kind of thing that so you tend to appreciate every single moment that you have. They're stolen moments, they're not moments you can take for granted. So in that way, it was fulfilling. Um, also, you know, the backstory is that my relationship with my husband was in a terrible mess. And without blaming him for what happened, without trying to sound like I'm defending myself, the fulfilling part was that I realized by being with George that there was a different way to be in a relationship than the relationship that I was in. So I didn't know through my romantic experience that you could be cherished, you could be loved, you could be treated with affection, you could be respected, you could be made to feel like you were the most important person in the world. So discovering those things when I was 45 years old, which sounds kind of sad, empowered me to say, hang on a minute, there's something wrong in my marriage. This is not the way it's meant to be. Somehow, I've been missing out. So having a relationship with George gave me the courage to leave my marriage that I may not have had before that. So it was a catalyst for, for change and eye-opening, it sounds like. that. Did you learn more about yourself through the experience as well? Absolutely. Um, I learned that that I had been believing things about myself that weren't true. So I learned that I wasn't ugly, I wasn't stupid, I wasn't selfish, I wasn't unlovable. I learned that if I was willing to be open and vulnerable and put myself out there that, you know, that there was a world where love came back to you and that I had, that I didn't need to be, you know, um, defined by my relationship as a, as a wife. I could be an individual person who had my own thoughts and feelings and that I would be all right on my own. Beautiful. Those are lessons that hopefully we all, you know, gain along the way. I'm so glad that you, that you learned them. What was one of the toughest parts of the experience? The toughest part was this whole idea of it, of being a secret. Like, um, I had to keep the secret from my husband because of um, the condition of the relationship meant that I felt a bit unsafe, not not physically unsafe, but I felt like I would be emotionally tortured if I told him what had happened. And also, it wasn't just my secret, it was George's secret as well. And the last thing I wanted to happen was for my husband to go on some kind of rampage and, you know, tell George's wife and destroy his family because 
you know, even though George is a flawed human being like we all are, he didn't deserve for his life to be disrupted because of me and because of what was going on in my life. So um, that was quite difficult. Also, I did grapple with the moral issue. Like I'm not an immoral person. Like I've been brought up my entire life to, you know, honor your marriage vows and that cheating is immoral and it's wrong and it's bad. So it was difficult to go against that conditioning, which I'm not... I'm not saying it's right to have an affair. I, I never would say it's a lifestyle choice that I think everyone should do it. But I'm, I grappled with the fact that what I gained from it kind of overrode what I'd been told or what I thought was a reason not to do The reasons not to do it weren't big enough to stop me. Mm, mm, yeah, beautifully said. I think you're you're um, answering these difficult questions very thoughtfully and I bet a lot of people can relate. I actually read in my research that most people who have affairs, uh, it's not like this serial, although that happens where they have affair, affair, they're, they're just perpetual cheaters, that certainly happens, but a lot of them who go to, well, who go to therapy to, to heal or to work either on their marriage or themselves afterward, that it there are good moral people who it was a one one time thing that they had always thought was wrong so I don't think uh, you're a, a rare case in that in that context and I think it's um, it's beautiful that you're speaking about it so that other people can perhaps feel less alone which is great are you able to tell us how it ended um, just before we get there I just um, on your point I think I don't know about men because they're not in their brains but perhaps men have um affairs because of a physical sexual attraction but I tend to in my case at least it's an emotional need it's an emotional connection that we crave it's not the sexuality and the physical part of it um, is a component of course but it's it's intimacy it's it's affection it's someone listening to you and seeing you and hearing you that is what we want in a in an affair not you know dark alley skirt up her engine waist kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> right no excellent point excellent point yes that it's the intimacy and and something you're lacking in your life mm, absolutely so um the, it's kind of it's kind of a fairy tale the ending well because um i did leave my marriage and um i did decide that maybe um, having a relationship with a man who loved me and adored me was kind of fun, but I wanted one who was full-time and who was available and who wasn't someone else's husband. So I ventured down the uh, internet dating route and found the love of my life within a few weeks. So um, I dumped my love. I dumped George for my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm so glad to hear that you found happiness. As to which George was completely fine. Like, um, my current boyfriend and I joke about it that it was kind of like a bridge relationship. So I, I could have never gone from the marriage I was in to the relationship I have with my boyfriend now without <clears throat> the intermediate step of George, without having that kind of transition between full-time love and part-time love and no love at all. So I kind of had this part-time love with George and then... Um, 
it led me into having the relationship that I deserved and that I needed and I wanted. And, and yeah, so I told George that I was dumping him from another man and he was completely fine. And, and you know, I told um, my current partner all about what happened and he's fine and it's all worked out perfectly. Wow. And did you tell him as soon as you started dating that you had just come out of an affair? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not like the first conversation, right? No. It's not exactly no. pleased to meet you material. <laughs> when did that um, come up? Well, it is it is quite a difficult thing because it you do feel like when you tell someone that you've cheated that you will be branded with once a cheat, always a cheat, you know, that you're a risk. And so um, it did take me a little while to tell him, probably mm, a couple of months before I – he knew I'd – he knew I'd had, um, I'd been hanging out with George, and you know we'd we'd gone to places and done stuff, and but I didn't think he he didn't know that we'd actually slept together. So, um, but he was fine about it. He's like, you know, that was before you met me, and you know he's he came up with the line that I used in my blog post is, you know, when you when you're lost in the desert, you're gonna go, um, you're gonna accept a drink if someone offers you a glass of water. So. Mm. That's wow. kind of what he said. You're in a situation where you didn't have anything, so he didn't, he doesn't kind of judge me at all. Wow, he sounds like a very understanding guy, which is great. That's that's wonderful to hear. Why did you decide to write about this? Because, as I mentioned, and as you're well aware, it can be a very taboo subject. Well, it was when the Ashley Madison hacking scandal broke. Um, so there was lots of discussion about the immorality of men and women who cheat. And most of it came from other women who stood on their soapboxes and handed out judgment to anyone who they thought had you know, been immoral and had been unfaithful. But underneath all that noise, I started to hear whispers from women who kind of were saying, you know, I did it too. And I have never told anyone. And I just thought, if I've done it and there's other women who've done it, then, then someone needs to speak for us. You know, that it's this, this notion of shame. Like, <clears throat> it's, you can regret what you've done. You can, you can acknowledge that you've made a bad decision. You can decide that you'd never do the same thing again. But shame is not necessary. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> um, shame is um, this guilt and self-destructive tendency to um, critically judge yourself for just doing your best. And so I didn't want women to keep beating themselves up and to listen to other women beating themselves up, beating them up because of decisions they made in circumstances that no one else had ever lived because they were just doing the best that they could. Mm. Beautifully said. I, I have chills. You're absolutely right that shame is not necessary, and it's so stifling. And I know that you've probably reached a lot of women who relate and feel less shame because of you. So I'm, I take my hat off to you for that. That's, that's wonderful. How have people responded to the post? Um, mostly positive. So um, I get a lot of, a lot of women saying either... Um, I've been in the same situation or I can appreciate your situation or I, I would never judge someone else because no one knows what goes on. Um, I kind of, I get a few people who say, usually the comment is you should be ashamed and I 
feel like saying, uh, hang on, I'll just check. Uh, no, still not ashamed. <laughs> but I just usually delete those because it's not worth engaging. Um, I can't change somebody else's mind and their opinion of, of my life is none of my business really and, and it doesn't really matter. Very well said, very well said. Where can we learn more about you and, and read your work? Um, so I blog at the most annoying URL on the earth, which is head-heart-health.com. So um, I didn't realize that hyphens were so such annoying things to have now. We've got iPads and stuff, but head-heart-ugh, I can't even say it, head <laughs> dash heart dash health dash dot com but if you just search uh, if you google katie paul you'll probably find me because i'm all over the place um so and i'm on twitter at chaotic katie p so um you can find me there as well and yeah all over the place perfect well thank you so much for joining me i really really appreciate your voice thank you for having me on and i hope um that other women know that they're not alone and they don't need to be ashamed yay Yay, absolutely. Beautiful words from a beautiful woman. I'm so grateful for her. We can all learn so much from other women's stories, right? Speaking of stories, before we dive into today's Ask Dr. Megan segment, I have a fun clip and invitation for you all from a good friend of mine, Sherry Fink, who is truly one of the most sparkly people I know. She's already written uh, and published several inspiring children's books that aim at boosting their self-esteem, which I adore and my nieces absolutely love. Her latest venture is a novel aimed at a few of my very favorite things. It's called Cake in Bed. You can help her bring the sweet and sexy project to life by supporting her Kickstarter campaign. Hi, I'm Sherry Fink, and I believe that we need more books that empower women to be our authentic selves and not settle for less than we deserve in life or love. My first novel, Cake in Bed, is a very sexy, inspiring story about a 30-something divorcee who discovers herself on a humorous and sometimes heartbreaking journey while finding love in an unexpected place. Cake in Bed is a book that proves that happily ever after isn't just once upon a time. And trust me, it's not your grandmother's romance. I invite you to pre-order today and be one of the first people in the world to read Cake in Bed. Pre-order your cake in bed today and get sweet rewards at www.cakeinbed.com because you deserve to have your cake and eat it too, preferably in bed. I totally want to eat cake right now, preferably in bed. Uh, you can see a, a darling photo of Sherry savoring cake in bed on Instagram at Sherry underscore Fink. Sherry is S-H-E-R-I Fink, F-I-N-K. And you can even post your own photo of you eating cake in bed. Um, make sure that it is, you know, PG rated uh, for a chance to win a fun prize. If you do so, make sure you add the hashtag cake in bed. When I asked folks through the Girl Boner Facebook page, facebook.com slash mygirlboner, to share their questions on infidelity for this episode, I received a whole bunch. So as I mentioned, we're going to carry this conversation on and dig deeper with Dr. Megan uh, in the future. First, though, this question came earlier from a listener named Kathy. Kathy said this, My husband had an affair nearly five years ago, and I'm still having a hard time moving past it, mostly when it comes to sex. I think about the two of them together, even though I believe him that it's long over and that he's been faithful to me since. I worry that he's comparing me to her and that I just won't measure up. 
and I suppose I'm just still really hurt. How could I stop feeling this way? Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say to Kathy. Kathy, affair recovery is a process and it takes time. That said, it's been almost five years since your husband had an affair, and I'm definitely hearing that you're still aware and noticing your own fear and anxieties that still come up and are blocking your ability to feel more connected, secure, and sexual with your husband. And I'm really glad that you're asking these questions because it tells me you haven't yet recovered and that there's both personal and marital recovery that needs to happen. It's very common when an affair is uncovered that the faithful spouse feels a need to know every sort of detail. And as a therapist, I can tell you, it's not in the details. It's in the why. What needs weren't getting met or what stories was your husband making up about you or what needs he couldn't get met with you or even bring them to you. And it's also true it might be that it wasn't about you. It may equally have to do with the stories he was telling himself about himself and who he is and what underlying feelings were driving his behavior. I know that the details can burn images in the mind that may be coming up for you even now, as you mentioned, sexually uh, thinking about them, but ultimately aren't helpful or therapeutic. The thing to really take away is that the crisis of an affair is an opportunity, not to create the marriage you had, but to understand the why and what factors led to the affair and ultimately to create a new relationship better than before. One that's a fair proof because you've both worked to reestablish trust, connection, and the ability to lean into one another when the going gets rough, because in life and in marriage, the storms come. It's great to know your husband has taken responsibility and that you do, at your gut, it sounds like trust him, not only that the fair is over, but that he's been faithful since. Responsibility is one of the three R's of affair recovery, and the other two are showing remorse that he truly gets the pain he's caused you, and repair, taking the necessary steps to rebuild trust. I'm not sure if you've yet brought these thoughts and struggles to your husband, and I imagine if they're coming up in the bedroom, it's, it's starting to become or has become part of that dialogue. But if you haven't, sharing those concerns, those thoughts, those fears, those pictures is the first step. I'd also have you read Janice Abrams Springs book, After the Affair. And from there, see if the book and working through the book together can guide you in this process. But if you're still feeling stuck and hurt and in fear or anxiety in any way, I strongly consider, encourage you to consider personal or couples therapy. You are not alone and you should absolutely not do all this work alone. There are many qualified professionals to help you in this process. Such beautiful advice as always. A few things really stuck out to me. First, the crisis of an affair is an opportunity. Very powerful. Um, And then those three R's, responsibility, remorse, and repair. I also love that she pointed out, you know, it's in... It's not in the details, it's in the how, and that you are not alone. Those are some universal messages, I think, that we can take into our lives and into our relationships. To learn more about Dr. Megan, visit her website, greatlifegreatsex.com, and follow her on Twitter, at Megan Fleming, PhD. Kathy, thank you for your question. All of us here in Girl Boner are cheering for you big time. If you are enjoying Girl Boner, please make sure to subscribe on iTunes, and if you're so inclined, leave us a little review and give us a rating. You can also find me on social media. All of those links and the show notes for today are available on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. While you're there, click on that Good Vibrations ad to shop for some awesome intimacy products and support Girl Boner at the same time. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.